Next up on Saturday mornings at your service, it's Welcome to Health. Greatest Grains and the Welcome to Health Center bring you Dr. Kurt Rexroth, chiropractor and clinical nutritionist. Dr. Rexroth is here to answer your questions about chiropractic, nutrition, or healthy weight loss. So give Dr. Rexroth a call at 344-1420, or you can find him online at welcometohealth.com. And now here's Dr. Kurt Rexroth. Good morning, Quad Cities. You know, one of the things we do a lot here on this program is we talk about how questions are asked, the presuppositions behind questions and things. And uh, we'll do a little bit of that today. But today we're going to be talking about the former number one health risk or the former public enemy number one in health, and that is smoking. Uh, we usually talk about, this, in this program, we talk about the program we have at the, at the clinic uh, concerning weight loss or what we like to say is fat loss because um, you don't want to lose muscle and that's heavier than fat. And we make sure that people only lose fat on our program. Um, but we usually talk about that because obesity has become the number one health risk, particularly when it comes to the quality of life. Uh, you know, being able to do the things you want to do with your life rather than doing the things you basically don't want to do, like spending lots of time at the doctor and spending time uh, recovering from procedures that, you know, that uh, are all related to chronic inflammation that is caused by excessive weight. But uh, we usually talk about that kind of stuff. But this week, we're going to talk about the former public enemy number one. Now, when you talk about public enemy number one, there's there, you know, have been a lot of them that have been chased down by the FBI and things like this. Um, and for the most part, the criminal element, you know, is very defiant, very has a great deal of contempt for order. You know, nobody's going to tell me what to do, so to speak. I'm going to do whatever I want. And uh, interestingly, that has kind of was the whole force behind the character Joe Camel. Uh, you remember the billboards there? You look at his expression on his face. He's got the sunglasses on. He's sitting back, leaning back against a, you know, a, a fast car. And he's got that camel snout coming down and that look on his face, that one side of his lip is up, you know, and he's just kind of looking at you like, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care how uncomfortable I make you or how I smog your air. I'm going to do whatever I want. And that's kind of the attitude that sold a lot of cigarettes to people. Um, the cigarette companies seemed to know that they had to kind of put that attitude into the mix because there was so much resistance from people who wanted the air that they breathed to, to be clean. As a matter of fact, I remember once I was at a, a dance performance at the fair, the Rock Island County Fair. My little girl was dancing. And there was somebody right behind us uh, smoking in the tent. And I turned around and I said, I, mean, this, I don't know if this is rude or not, but I turned around and said, oh, um, no, thank you. I do not really care to smoke at this particular time because the, the smoke was just coming right, you know, forward from that person right in, you know, oh, it was just noxious. And I, so I informed her that, uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity, but no, thank you. I really don't want to smoke at this time. And you would not believe <laughs> what, I, what I turned loose on myself. I mean, there was nobody performing at that point. And she stood up and she just read me the riot act. Like, I've got rice. 
And it was just absolutely amazing. Kind of, I thought I was being funny when I when I said, you know, oh, no thanks, I really don't care to smoke at this time. Uh, I found out that I wasn't being funny, and uh, it really, really went. But what I want to do focus focus on right now is this: that you know, that we talk about questions, and and I want to kind of approach it from a little different direction because although I don't, you know, appreciate people smoking around me because um, I just find it noxious. Um, I have to say I do sympathize with the people who are addicted to cigarettes. And I think there are some good reasons why they do it. Remember, one of the things we do at our clinic is we actually ask what good things can come from a particular particular kind of behavior and why does the body try to do these things. And with addictions, uh, I have kind of a little visual formula that I go by when it comes to addictions. And the visual formula goes like this. This person has a hole in their emotions, in their emotional life. There's, a, there's some sense of loss there. And as that sense of loss grows, then they fill it with the addiction. And with something like cigarettes, that's kind of chemically what happens. Because as the nicotine kind of fades in its effect, what happens is it kind of opens up this desire, this need to fill that hole that's opening up and getting bigger and bigger. And the bigger it gets, oh, my gosh, you know, it becomes uncontrollable. You've got to do something to make up for that, that feeling, that horrible feeling that's coming on. And you know that as soon as you take that first puff of cigarette, you're going to go, oh, God, oh, that feels so good. That finally. And, and so that forms a perpetual link to the addictive substance. And uh, it's that, oh, I feel so good that, that the person is seeking because it's starting to feel pretty bad. So there's a sense in which even people who have never smoked have to kind of tie into that a little bit and realize that there's something going on there that's very, very powerful. I first came in contact with that particular feeling with regard to tobacco once when I was in Europe. I was in um, uh, Holland and I was, you know, met some people. They hung out in a particular bar and the smoke was all the way down to about a foot from the floor. You know, if you wanted to breathe at all, you had to kind of crawl around like a lizard. And uh, but, you know, they were smoking this fine Dutch tobacco and I started smoking a little bit. I, I guess I smoked about three cigarettes a day at that point. And um, and then I went to Munich. And when I got to Munich, um, I was walking from the place I spent the night to the bus stop. And I walked past a tobacco shop. Didn't even think of stopping. I'd never bought cigarettes. But about halfway past, about halfway through the square, I stopped and I said, oh, gosh, (sighs) a cigarette would sure feel good right now. And so I turned around and started walking toward the tobacco shop. And then I heard a voice in my head. And the voice said, do you really want this monkey on your back? And I stopped again, and I thought, oh, my gosh, what, what's going on here? I know that if I had that first puff of the cigarette, it would go, oh, that feels so good. And I also knew this voice was telling me, do you really want that monkey on your back, crawling all over you, controlling your life? And I thought, okay, my dad smoked, and he couldn't stop. My uncles all smoked. They couldn't stop. There was some uh, lung cancer in the family because they couldn't stop. There was emphysema that was coming about in some of the older members of his family because they couldn't stop. And I said to myself, no, I do not want this monkey on my back. And I turned around and went to the bus stop and never looked back. Now, 
I realized I dodged a bullet because if I had gone to that tobacco shop and bought those cigarettes, not only would I be uh, hopelessly addicted to cigarettes, I would be hopelessly poor as well because that's an incredibly expensive habit, incredibly expensive. So I, I dodged the bullet, and I'm so grateful that that happened to me. And it was a great experience, too, because I kind of understood what was going on to some small, very teensy-weensy extent, because I know that the actual addiction is like I didn't even, I just barely touched it. And, but it gave me a sense of compassion to the people who do smoke because, oh my gosh, it has to be incredibly powerful for some people. In any case, it also sparked my interest. And I started watching smokers and I started watching groups of smokers. And I asked myself the question, who, what groups of people actually start smoking? What groups of people um, reintroduce themselves into smoking? What groups of people are the largest groups of smokers? And in trying to understand the phenomenon and what good things smoking does for people. Because smoking is obviously a drug, and most drugs, obviously a drug that is so popular, has to have some effect, right? I mean, it just doesn't come out of nowhere. It has to have some kind of effect. So I started watching these patterns, and this is what I saw. I saw that when people start, it's usually in adolescence, um, not always, but usually in adolescence, and those adolescent people the biggest issue for an adolescence is acceptance in the group. And if you can't be accepted in the group, then there are big problems that come about. Um, and, and when you aren't accepted, you have this deep sense of loss. You get this sense of, you know, where, where you feel like, oh, my gosh, you know, they don't like me, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And rejection is the hugest issue when it comes to adolescence. Now, I want you to think about that. If most people start when they're adolescent and that's the biggest issue for them personally, then that's something we need to pay attention to. Okay, whether you are a smoker or have ever been a smoker, I think this program is interesting to you because I think that we have to have a great deal of compassion for those people who do smoke. And we just identified the first group that I kind of focused on as having a need that smoking actually satisfies. And that is this, when you're, in a, when you're an adolescent and you're just starting to you know, get interested in, in a, you know, your social person, you want to be accepted by your group, one of the things that um, gets a lot of people hooked on cigarettes is that cigarettes actually happen to be a drug that mutes the feelings of rejection or mutes the feelings of not being accepted. And in adolescence, that's one of the biggest issues. Oh, God, I have to be accepted by my group. Now, what other groups of people are um, big smokers is the question. Well, my wife was involved with uh, social work, and she said that the, you know, over half, in fact, largely over half at that point, of the people that were involved in social work were smokers. And what do they deal with all day? Well, they're dealing with people who are, are you know, they're trying to help them, and their, their hearts are as, you know, as big as a... Um, Big heart, <laughs> okay, because they want to get in there and they really want to help these people. But a lot of it is just very frustrating work because they're dealing with people to a large extent that have some pretty big problems. And one of the things that they can do to mute the feelings 
of rejection or the mute the feelings of of not really being listened to and etc is that they can leave the premises where they just tried to help somebody and it's been frustrating for weeks or months or even years and they can have their cigarette and that kind of mutes it another group of people that are just almost famous for smoking are salespeople. in fact in the past it's less and less frequent and I kind of feel sorry for the salespeople who don't smoke to some extent because it's such a powerful drug to mute the feelings of anxiety as a, as a result of rejection. And, of course, the biggest obstacle to uh, going into sales is that you try to help people with your product and they reject it, partly because they don't trust salespeople a lot of times, right, and partly because they just don't need the product. They don't want the product or they're looking for something a little bit different. But it's still the same. The salesperson is a high-rejection um, profession. And, of course, car salesmen, it's, and, even, and most even used car salesmen, what happens? Well, they show these people the car, and then after the people leave, what do they do? They light up a cigarette. Why? Because after they light up the cigarette, it's no problem anymore. It mutes the feelings of rejection. Now, this is a big claim. I realize that. It's my observation. It may touch base with some of you. But what I want you to do is realize that having compassion for smokers is important because there are underlying fundamental issues, whether they're rejection or not. There are underlying fundamental issues that keep them on a track of doing one of the most unhealthy habits. And everybody knows it. But one of the most unhealthy and socially unacceptable habits in such a way that it, it you know, kind of put, pushes them aside from the rest of society. And even when they aren't smoking directly, they smell, they stink. And uh, for those of you who have been smokers in the past, I mean, you are more aware of it than anybody else. I mean, uh, most people who have given up smoking become militant non-smokers because it's just so offensive and so bad to them. Um, I had, I had a, a patient once who was a uh, you know, two-pack-a-dayer, and, and uh, the guy came up behind me at Kmart, and I didn't even see him. I just kind of, uh, my eyes went from side to side. He was behind me, and I said, his name, and turned around. <laughs> Why? How did I know that? Well, you just get so you know, <laughs> right? I even knew the brand, you know, and, and I've had people come in to, to apply for jobs at my practice, and uh, I can tell them the brand they smoke. I mean, the, I mean that's crazy, I know, but, but there are certain brands, um, I won't mention them on, on uh, the radio here, but there are certain brands that smell like they just came out of wallowing in a chemical dump because these cigarettes are like they're soaked with addictive chemicals because tobacco's not addictive enough for these cigarette companies. You know, I'm Philip Morris was, was uh, nailed on that back when they were being sued by uh, uh, class action suits by everybody. It's just absolutely amazing. So anyway, but, but still for the smokers themselves, we're talking about a group that needs our compassion because... What they're often suffering from are feelings of rejection. And salespeople have, a, have struggle, struggle with that every single day, feelings of rejection, where they, people don't buy their product. And they're usually so convinced that they can help people with these products. And so it's, it's, you know, it's something that they, a drug that they actually rely on for that. All right. Now, 
You go on, and what, where else do you find uh, people who are large groups of smokers? Well, I'll let you think about that a lot on your own, but here's the deal. The height of kind of a, the metaphor that we're going with on this, in this um, way is, goes like this. Okay, you're watching an Italian or a, or a uh, Spanish uh, B-movie, okay? And this B-movie is just about to come to the end where you've got a gentleman standing in front of a wall and there are about 10 soldiers out there across the, the just about, you know, 20 feet away and they all have their guns and they are lined up ready to execute this person with a firing squad. All right. What do they offer the person who is being going to be shot? They offer them a cigarette, right? Every time. And what happens? The person smokes the cigarette. Smokes the cigarette. And they smoke it as slowly as they possibly can, right? Right? And then after they're finished with the cigarette, they flick the butt away. And then they are offered something else. What is it? They're offered the blindfold. Exactly. But what does our, our uh, victim do? He waves away the blindfold and he says, I don't need a blindfold. I just had a cigarette. Now, what's going on there? I mean, this is the ultimate rejection. This is the rejection of everything. This guy is going to just be riddled with bullets, you know, made into a sieve. And yet he doesn't need the blindfold. Why? Because rejection is no problem once I've had my cigarette. Now, this manifests in many different ways because one of the things that 